start recording before I forget. For some reason, group A, I'm just like kind of getting on the ball and I always forget to push the recording until late. Anyway. Um, That's okay. We get sidetracked a lot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I used to think group C was the worst at it, but now I'm, I'm like, nope, I, I get kind of wild in group A. <laughs> as far as sidetrack goes. Yep. All right. So just to kind of start off with some fun in uh, education week stuff that, because uh, I tried to take as many Isaiah classes as I could trying to kind of get an overall perspective. It's interesting how many people on campus do not like Gileadi one bit. So um, it was, it's kind of funny though, because if they only knew that they were discovering some of the exact same things that he's discovered a long time ago, they would probably have <laughs> their jaws to the floor. But um, anyway, let me uh, share some of this uh, stuff from uh, Joseph Spencer's class. So um, I get to class and Joseph Spencer is kind of like, he looks like a, a total newbie <laughs> young kid. And I was like, oh, I, I thought I was getting into some good Isaiah classes here. And then he blew me away because he's like so smart, so knowledgeable. Um, he, he wrote this book, uh, the 25 lectures on Isaiah uh, just came out within the last couple of years. Um, anyway, very interesting. Um, did that lose the screen that I was sharing? for you guys like can you see the the slide that says original chapter breaks yeah. yeah okay um it gave me a little warning when i made it full screen for some reason so um each day of the week for education week he went into um each of the sections that in the book of mormon that covers anything about isaiah and uh so mondays was all about what is isaiah doing in first nephi and you know he kind of starts off like did anybody know that there's uh, a lot of isaiah in first nephi and none of us were were privy to that we were like no it's in second nephi kind of thing but mm -hmm. um if we look at first nephi and what isaiah is doing here it gives us great hints and helps when we get to second nephi and so um he said that he was looking for literary patterns a lot um, uh, throughout Second Nephi uh, and everything, but but nothing was really standing out to him um, until uh, I, I can't remember the the full story behind it. But he he stumbled upon the idea that um, the chapter breaks that we currently have in the Book of Mormon are not original from what Joseph dictated. And so um, in 1879, Orson Pratt was commissioned to, to put chapters and verses to everything and, and make it easier to study. And so prior to that, if we look at the original chapter breaks that, that come directly from the translations, um, we see that, that first Nephi is quite a bit different than, than we have it today. Uh, the chapters are much longer and um, there's only seven chapters. So that was my first clue when uh, he said that there was the seven original chapters of First Nephi. I go, oh, seven chapters, the seven part structure of Isaiah, Bifid, like things started clicking for me. And uh, little did I know how much so uh, as we were going in. Um, so taking a look at those and then popping over to um, what each of those chapters contains uh, the first two chapters are the abridgment of Lehi, and then uh, Nephi has his own five uh, chapters that, that go into to detail. But if we take a look at those even more simplified, it forms a chiasm. So chapter one is how we got Isaiah, how the Nephites received the, the writings of Isaiah. And then it goes down the, the chiasm to chapter two how we got the vision of, of the tree of life, uh, Lehi's vision there. And then um, going on that, that chiastic version there, we have chapter three and four, which explain the vision. And then it ends up in chapters six and seven with Isaiah explained in detail. So bookends of, of first Nephi is how we get Isaiah and then explaining Isaiah. But then in the middle is how we got the vision and then explaining the vision um, with kind of a, uh, not a derailment, but uh, a very strategically placed chapter five that talks about this journey to the new world. It's not part of the chiasm, but it's, it's like this own little mini chiasm within the, the main one. 
um, interesting side study just on chapter five alone. But um, I found that that was very interesting as we're looking through those seven chapters that we have a chiastic structure and there's seven parts to it, much like uh, Avraham Gileadi has been uh, looking in biblical Isaiah, seven part structure. Um, it, just interesting uh, <laughs> to say the least. So here are his seven conclusions about um, what he studied. He says that first Nephi comes in two halves. And if we know anything from what we've been studying, the bifid structure is two halves. It's the, the manner of the Jews, how they're, they're reading and writing and, and everything goes. So uh, the first half is an abridgment of Lehi's record, second half with Nephi's own proceedings. Um, we can mark the dividing lines between these um, based on, on those scriptures there. One through nine is, is the first part, verses 10 through 12, the second. Um, and then let's see, down to number four, Lehi's abridgment was originally made up of two stories. One about getting a copy of past prophecies, and then one about starting a tradition of present prophecy. Then Nephi's own proceedings were originally built around two major concerns. One about how we make sense of present prophecy, and then one about how we make sense of past prophecies. So it's all about the, the record of two. We can't only rely on past prophecies, and we can't only rely on present prophecies we need both hand in hand and so first nephi tells a double story through the abridgment of, of lehi's record about how the family attained two prophetic sources and then it provides a double exposition through the account of nephi's own proceedings of those two prophetic sources and so uh with that um sorry the zoom is covering my screen uh, each of Nephi's two prophetic sources explain the other. And so he says, when we liken the scriptures unto ourselves, yes, it's a good um, idea to, to put our names in the scriptures and to liken them to ourselves, but it's more than that. If we really look at the context uh, of what Nephi is saying in that scripture, he's saying, you are never going to understand Isaiah until you understand Lehi's vision. And you're never going to understand Lehi's vision until you understand Isaiah. And that's what First Nephi is all about, is putting the two back to back in order to help us understand the other. Um, they're meant to be companion scriptures. Um, anyway, I found that that was very interesting, very captivating. Um, and then here's, uh, kind of, I don't know why he calls it the upshot, but the four main takeaways from, from this. So first Nephi is a tightly organized guide to reading Isaiah Nephi's way. Um, he introduces us to the sources through stories about his father. And then he expounds on the sources by showing us uh, how each serves. Let's see how each serves was, oh, I don't know. I've obviously got typos there um, for viewing the other more clearly. So uh, Nephi explains Isaiah and Isaiah explains Nephi. Everything here makes clear that Isaiah is central to Nephi's purposes from the very start, and everything here is preparatory to second Nephi in its unswerving focus of Isaiah. So Nephi wants his readers to read Isaiah alongside the dream and vision of 1 Nephi 8 through 14, where the focus is on the redemption of the remnant of Israel, thanks to the coming forth of the book through the Gentiles. So anyway, I, I found all of that very interesting and captivating. I'm going to kind of put together my notes in a better way and, and share those uh, with everyone um, because the whole class, that was just Monday and, and every day of that week was, was very interesting and uh, how to compare Book of Mormon Isaiah to, to the biblical Isaiah and, and not just through Avraham Gileadi, but, but through multiple scholars that are are helping to unlock this sealed book for us in these last days. I think that's, that's. This is interesting that you're talking about this because this week I pulled out all of the um, Book of Mormon Isaiah's and put them in a document. And then I added the, um, how do you say that Bifid structure? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh -huh. And it has the, um, it goes down this way in order. Oh, really? So like just in Nephi or like throughout the whole Book of Mormon, it does the bifid? Um, through the, I'll send you the document and you can look at it. 
I can't ever talk and I can't ever put things. <laughs> and I just um, started studying it because I was just like, all right, didn't um, President Nelson say we're living in the days that Nephi saw or something I'm like, all right, what uh -huh. did he do? But we're studying Isaiah. So I put it together and then there's, and I'll send you the document and you can share it if you want. Really all mm -hmm. the document is, it's just um, chapters pulled out. And then I went and highlighted it to this structure because I wanted to see it, how it lined up. And it was uh -huh. in. Interesting. Yeah. Because though that, you know, sometimes I have so much on my plate and that's one of my homework assignments that someday I was going to get to, but, but yeah, that I would love to, to see that document. That was, that's amazing. I'll send it to you right now and you can peek at it, but go ahead and keep mm -hmm. talking. It's just interesting that you took this class and you, you're saying that, and this is what I've been doing, uh -huh. trying to figure yeah. that out. I love it. Um, so another just uh, quick tidbit was from an Old Testament class by Kevin Tolley. He's one of my favorites. He, he dives deep into to things. Um, but he was talking about how we got the, the original Old Testament, the Torah, the Nevaim, and the Ketuvim, uh, which is called the Tanakh, the T-N-K. And so um, mainly what I want to focus on, the, the interesting aha moment that I had was like um, with the prophets there in the middle. So the Hebrews divided the prophets into three different categories, the former prophets, the latter prophets, and then the 12. And so whoops, um, as we compare the Jewish Tanakh on the left-hand side to the Christian King James Version, uh, we can see how um, they're organized and lumped together very differently. Um, but I think that there's a lot to be learned from the Jewish uh, grouping here. So Your slide isn't showing, Kim. Oh, okay. Um, can you like see that one? It's it... it's still stuck it, to me anyway. It's still stuck on the Nephi. For okay. Nephi. Yes. Let me zoom share. I think it's like twenty six or twenty five. You're looking for us. Sure. All right, can you see my screen there? Yeah. Okay, so um, on the left-hand side is the, the Jewish Tanakh versus the right side, which is the Christian King James Version. Um, and as we look at that so the former prophets the latter prophets and then the 12 prophets um i don't know i i've always just thought that they just had to kind of mark the former prophets from the latter prophets um in a, a, a chronological thing you know oh well these ones are before such a date and these ones are after such a date but if we look at them and what content is in them the latter prophets are prophesying of the latter days. The former prophets are only historical. They're, they're not trying to, to leap forward in time and prophesy and warn. But um, the, the latter prophets, that's their whole purpose, is to, to bridge that gap and, and prophesy of the future. So the latter prophets and the 12 prophets, um, when uh, Kevin Tully... Uh, does a lot of outreach work with uh, Jewish communities and, and rabbis and stuff. And he says, they always look at our church and, and they point and say, oh, well, those LDS, they, they're onto something because they have a first presidency and a quorum of 12 apostles, just like our Bible does, our Tanakh does. So they consider Isaiah to be the main prophet of the, the latter prophecies. Uh, with Jeremiah and Ezekiel as his counselors, and the 12, the 12 minor prophets, as um, the, the additional witnesses, uh, six of which are dealing with the wickedness and injustice of the last days, versus six that deal with the resolution and covenant blessings of the last days. And I thought that was so interesting, like, how have I never heard that or put that together before? Like, that just makes so much sense. So, okay, wait a second. They didn't all live at the same time, though, right? They're all different times. Yeah, they're all different times. But the the people that that organized the the Tanakh together, the the Jewish Hebrew Bible, were pointing to that structure um, very specifically and and put it together um, very thoughtfully. And so, as we 
uh, mirror that in our church, uh, many Jews go, oh, well, they, they know what they're doing because they're, they're mirroring our Bible uh, very yeah, well. With your, with your cursor, show me about this picture of what you're talking about. Uh-huh, yeah. So um, here we have the Jewish Tanakh on the left-hand side here. And mm -hmm. so they organize it by former prophets, whoops, former prophets, latter prophets, and then 12 prophets. So it's not, in, so, it's not in the same order that ours is at all, or it is? Uh-uh. Nope, yeah. Ours just uh, denotes it by major prophets and minor prophets is all. And so it's it's very, very much different. Uh, the Council in Nicaea and some of those others uh, really change things a lot. But if we go back to how the Jews had it, the Jews know the pattern in which it was intended. Um, we have the former prophets, which are dealing with purely historical things, which uh, they're writing about what they dealt with versus the latter prophets are then called to prophesy of the the end times that, latter uh, days yeah. yeah yeah the latter day prophets and so um, moving to the next slide just to look at the latter prophets and the 12 um they very much consider isaiah as the lead of all of them he is the prophet of the latter prophets with jeremiah and ezekiel being his his counselors uh very much um uh, supporting everything that Isaiah is, is prophesying of. And then there are the 12 minor prophets, six of which are dealing with the wickedness and injustice of the last days, and six of which, which are talking about resolution and covenant blessings of the last days. So Daniel's so, not in here at all, though. Uh, yeah, Daniel is, is a separate thing, um, because all of these are prior to the Babylonian captivity. So these ones are all prior to that. And then Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, all of those are after the Jews come back from Babylon or during Babylonian captivity in the case of Daniel. And so these ones are all still while the tribes are intact or at least falling apart. And then when they fall apart completely, then Daniel comes back in and, and Ezra and Nehemiah and all those and starts prophesying and reiterating what these prophets, these 15 individuals have said and prophesied and um, add upon it uh, to a degree. Anyway, I, I thought that that was just very interesting, just a interesting little side note study. Uh, again, I'll put together more of my notes on, on this class and so that you can study it more in depth with the, the slides and stuff, but but just take pictures of his um slideshow is that what you did uh-huh yeah so they can't share their slides but they say anyone can can pull up a phone and take pictures of, of the thing but what i do is i go in and get them skewed properly and and color correct them so that it looks better and you can read it anyway and then you i've got work. oh my god i'm glad they can't share their thing and save you some time I know, right? <laughs> Going to all the work, but um, and then uh, Tali also did um, this chart on the trials of Abraham, which I thought was interesting since we've been through that book. Um, but it talks about every descent and ascent through Abraham's story. Um, and again, I'll I'll share this uh, slide once I get it remastered. But um, it's always something that I've wanted to chart out, but I haven't actually got the time to do it. And so I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> I'm going to share this with our group. Um, let's see. So with all of that <laughs> in place, I knew that that was going to take a lot of time, darn it. Um, so 620, we, we've got some time to, to hit Isaiah tonight, right? <laughs> um, so let's let's then tackle the the craziness. So I get back from education week and, and I promise the story is like directly related to what we're studying. Uh, just go with me for a minute. I'm not just trying to put on a sob story. So we get back and well, I get back. I was the only one at education week. Um, get back. And when I did, my family had formed an intervention against me and my mom that we were studying too much, that we were apostate, we were going off the rails things just hit the fan with, with me and my family. And so um, I, I knew it was coming. 
um, just because of what we've been studying. There's three tests of loyalty as we learn about Isaiah's ladder, as we are advancing towards the last days. One of the, the major trials of, or the major tests that we need to prove our loyalty to the Lord is ecclesiastical um, persecution or um, just, just that test. There's, there's the political, ecclesiastical, and then idolatry, right? Um, as we studied in Isaiah decoded. So I knew it was coming. It, it, it didn't catch me by surprise, but, but it did hurt. And that's why I canceled last week. I, I, I was just brain fog. I couldn't even quite focus. I needed to focus on my family. So for that, I'm sorry. You know, I should have explained it in the time. But, um, but here's my, my takeaways from the whole experience. Is that as I was going to the Lord, like, okay, how did that happen? Why did it happen? Why, where do we go from here? How do I help my family understand where I'm coming from? The whole thing was from just gross misunderstandings of what we were studying, because in a sense, I was trying to not share too much of what we were studying, but that was the wrong way to approach it, obviously. Uh, the, the Lord helped me <laughs> really know and, and chastised me qu quite a bit about casting pearls before swine and um, not, not letting the Lord teach my family in the right and proper way kind of thing. So there was lots of accusations being flown about. And anyway, it, it was just crazy. But I just wanted to, to reissue my testimony and, and my conviction that, that Isaiah knows what he's talking about. And for our day, it is completely pertinent that we are going to be going through some difficult trials because we are trying to ascend this ladder to heaven in order to be better ministering angels to those around us because it's only going to get difficult before it it gets better right i mean uh, we're we're heading into to the second coming this is like the the greatest event of of all history but it has to get really bad before it gets there and so anyway i i'm not saying that it, it, i have no idea what each of your trials and, and things are, are going to look like your your tests of loyalty but i know that god knows exactly what he's doing and if hard things come your way, that's what the whole test of loyalty is, is about. Are you going to stay loyal to hearing him and to the testimony and things that he's given you along the way? Or are you going to, to kowtow and, you know, just kind of hang your head in shame and, and go along with the crowd? And so um, I, I hope that, um, that I'm communicating this properly. <laughs> My head's still kind of reeling you know it's only been a week it's, it's still pretty fresh but um going through some of that has really teached or, or taught me that I have to be really careful about what I say so that it doesn't get misconstrued a lot of what was uh being falsely accused of was uh the Davidic covenant because it's not you know something that that's just like oh Davidic covenant yeah of course we understand it, it can be misinterpreted and um, anyway, th th there's just a lot of, of things we got to be careful with. Not saying that anything that we're studying is secret, obviously. I mean, we're studying the scriptures and, and we're studying uh, great commentaries on, on some of the scriptures. But some of the mysteries are just not ready to be understood by, by some audiences and stuff. And, and that might come from our own family. So I would just issue that that just be careful what you say and, and, and how you say it, because it, sometimes it might come back to bite you. <laughs> but um, I, everything about the experience was, was great in the end. It, it hurt a lot. But as we know from Isaiah's pattern, there's a descent before we can ascend. I know that this experience is only going to make our family stronger as we push through and, and start communicating better. Communication's always been one of our hard things in our family, especially between me and my siblings. And so um, I know that that whole experience is, is hard at first, but the Lord knows what it, exactly he's doing. And so um, 
It, it's not like that's going to phase me in studying Isaiah or anything like that. But at the same time, I want you all to know, like, I'm not this Isaiah expert either. Like, I'm, I'm just as new to this as, as many of you are. And uh, we're, we're just trying to learn together. So, you know, <laughs> don't quote me on everything we, we say in class, because a lot of this is kind of bouncing ideas back and forth as we try to understand some of these, these hard concepts that, that are in Isaiah. So anyway, just, just kind of throwing that out there before we dive in tonight. Any comments, thoughts, anything on that that uh, you'd like to share well, before we move on? If not, we'll... But um, Cameron, yeah. Cameron, I have something. <laughs> you do have a great, great gospel knowledge and understanding. And we, I so appreciate the things I've learned. So do you think that maybe when you throw something out to your family that they're going, well, I don't understand that. Why does Cameron understand that? <laughs> and maybe a little bit of it is jealousy. Well, it sounds like Laman and Lemuel and uh, Nephi there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's lots of uh, intricacies, you know, because there's lots of, of people that were, were involved in the whole thing. And so, yes, I, I can see uh, parts of that with, with some of those members um, that uh, it was like, okay, so why is Cameron getting this? I mean, he's the youngest in the family. Like, who's he to tell us kind of thing? Because you've been listening and you've been inspired to study and to get out of Babylon. <clears throat> That's why. Yeah, and, and just the Babylon principle was hard for them to understand too. They <laughs> they couldn't understand some of uh, those principles. But anyway, um, yeah, go for it, Dad. <laughs> go for it, Dad. Uh, I want to just tell everybody that I was kind of in the middle and on the opposite side of Cameron when this started. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned from the whole thing is communication is the key to it all and if you don't understand something ask a question I mean whether it's in the family whether it's in this group if there's something you don't understand ask a question or else you'll never know mm -hmm. yeah I think that there was a lot of things like you know my, my dad's been in all of our groups uh, for the most part and and, and studying and uh, there were some things that uh, just hadn't been conveyed well on, on my part and so uh getting those uh, those things corrected like what i'm actually trying to say versus uh what's being interpreted kind of thing uh communication is huge in, in these last days i think that that's one of satan's big tactics right to uh destroy the lines of communication and to cause misunderstandings and then to to create actual divisions um so like as soon as <laughs> I, this is a blanket statement. I'm not saying that this was in my family, but like, once you think somebody's apostate, some, like you can go one of two ways. You can either be kind and gentle and try to listen to their point of view, or you can throw scriptures and Bible bash and, and cause contention. Right. And so like that, that's, that's a hard one when, um, you're riled up, the blood's pumping, and and scriptures are being flowing back and forth. To to take a step back and say, okay, let's talk about this rationally because obviously, either we're not on the same page or we're on the same page, but we're just not communicating it wisely. And so, you know, uh, the studying the mysteries of the gospel is a, is a hard path to pursue, especially with lots of people who might be in or out of the conversation. And so um, communication is key. That, that's the one main thing that, that I really learned out of this whole thing. Communication is, is crucial. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, there, there's a lot to be said, but I'm, I don't want to spend all of class time just kind of hashing out what, what happened in my family. But I think that it's pertinent to, to Isaiah because, I mean, this is literally what we're studying and, and we're living it in one way or another. It, like I said, it blindsided me, but at least I knew it was coming to, to some degree. Um, and, and looking back, I'm glad it happened that way rather than some of the things that other people have had to deal with. So <laughs> it, every trial is a blessing, right? 
All right, so like uh, Tracy said at the beginning, Isaiah 28. Isaiah, is, <laughs> this <laughs> chapter is probably one of the most timely things uh, that and Come Follow Me uh, this week and last week have been exactly what we are living um, in just the past few weeks, you know, ever since President Nelson's uh, letter to the, to the church. Um, you know, I, I hope that we don't get mired down in the weeds because I know just even within our, our book clubs, there's lots of varying opinions and, and things on, on the letter. But, but I hope that we can take what Isaiah is saying and, and kind of rem not totally remove ourselves from the current situation, but look at the prophecy for what it's worth and then come back and apply the prophecy to, to what we're living. Because it, it's, some, it's some tricky ground to tread, let me tell you. I've been back and forth with, with quite a few people that have emailed me and asked me like, where do I stand? What, do, what should they do and, and things? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I just hey guys, leave a book club. I, I, I'm not a leader in any way. President Nelson already told us how to deal with all this. He told us that uh -huh. we need to hear the Lord. That's what we need to do. Whatever mm -hmm. you do, that's what you do. You can exactly. find, you can find, oh my gosh, and that's why I had to get off of Facebook. I was just going back and forth. I'm just like, I, I think I was on there like, you know, just like a, whatever, not very long. And I'm like, uh-uh, I just got to hear the Lord. I, I'm cutting everything out and I'm going to do my scriptures. I'm going to do my prayer. I'm going to do my fasting and I'm going to hear the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And if I hear something from the Lord, I'm going to act on that immediately, whatever it is, that's what I'm going to act on. I can't act mm -hmm. on scriptures that people pull out that are going to tell you one way or the other, because they're, they're all there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if that's anything that I've learned from Avraham Gileadi's uh, commentaries is proof texting. I, I'd never understood that concept before, but the, the idea that you can use any scripture for either side of an argument, and, and that's what proof texting is called. Uh, and, and so to, to apply it in its original manner kind of thing and, and stuff like that. But, you know, just for an example, I, I, you know, I don't want to get mired in the weeds, but uh, the, the Moses brazen serpent staff thing i mean that has been used extensively on both sides of of every single issue that we've dealt in in the last couple of years right but looking <laughs> at the actual story and the actual texts both sides are misinterpreting it grossly and it's like okay let, let's take a step back let's let's communicate like <laughs> the, the lesson i learned last week let's communicate and actually work through some of this stuff so anyway, I, I wanted to dive into Isaiah 28 because that, well, all four of these chapters this week are, are amazing in um, pronouncing the woes on, on this latter generation, but they all come at it a different way. And I think 28 is clearly what, what we're going through right now, uh, along with some parts of 29 and 30. But um, let me pull up the uh, translations here of 28... And 29 let me i'm going to do the comparison so we can see the king james with the isaiah institute translation side by side all right um how many verses are there like about 26 okay um so let's do um like 10 and 10 so uh, I'll do the first 10. Uh, Mom, you want to do the next 10. And then Tracy, you want to finish out the chapter? Sure. All right. So it says, Woe to the garlands of glory of the drunkards of Ephraim. Their crowning splendor has become as fading wreaths on the heads of the opulent overcome with wine. My Lord has in store one mighty and strong as a ravaging hailstorm sweeping down or like an inundating deluge of mighty waters. He will hurl them to the ground by his hand. The proud garlands of the drunkards of Ephraim shall be trodden underfoot, and the fading wreaths, the crowns of glory on the heads of the opulent, shall be like the first ripe fruit before summer harvest. He who sees it devours it the moment he has a hold of it. In that day shall Jehovah of hosts be as a crown of beauty and a wreath of glory to the remnant of his people, a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who repulse the attack at the gates." Those who have indulged in wine and are giddy with strong drink, priests and prophets have gone astray through liquor. They are intoxicated with wine and stagger because of strong drink. 
They err as seers, they blunder in their decisions. For all tables are filled with vomit. No spot is without excrement. Whom shall he give instruction? Whom shall he enlighten with revelation? Weanlings weaned from milk, those just taken from the breast? For it is but line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, a trifle here, a trifle there. And mother? Therefore, by in... Oh, incomprehensible Incomprehensible speech and a strange tongue must he speak to these people to whom he said this is rest let the weary rest let this is a respite but they would not listen so to them the word of jehovah remained line upon line line upon line precept upon precept precept upon precept a trifle here a trifle there that persisting they might lapse into stumbling and break themselves become ensnared and be taken captive therefore hear the word of jehovah you scoffers who preside over these people in jerusalem you have supposed by taking refuge in deception and hiding behind falsehoods to have covenanted with death or reached an understanding with Shul that should a flooding scourge sweep through the earth, it shall not reach you. Therefore, thus saith my Lord Jehovah, I lay in Zion a stone, a keystone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. They who believe it will not do rashly. I will make justice the measure, righteous the weight. A hail shall sweep away your false refuge and waters flooding the hiding place. Your covenant with death shall prove void. Your understanding with show have no effect when the flooding scourge sweeps through. You shall be overrun by it. Um, okay. As often as it sweeps through, you shall be seized by it. Morning after morning, it shall sweep through. By day and by night, it shall seize you. It shall cause terror merely to hear words of it. Then shall come to pass the proverb, the couch is too short to stretch out on, the covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. All right, and then Tracy, if you could finish out. You betcha. For Jehovah will rise up as he did on Mount Perizim and be stirred to anger as in the Valley of Gibeon to perform his act, his unwanted act, and do his work, his bizarre work. Now therefore scoff not, lest your bonds grow severe, for I have heard utter destruction decreed by my Lord Jehovah of hosts upon the whole earth. Give heed and hear my voice. Be attentive and listen to what I say. Will the plowman be forever plowing to sow seed, disking and harrowing the same ground? When he has smoothed its surface, does he not sprinkle fennel and scatter cumin? Does he not demarcate wheat from barley and plant buckwheat in its own plot? His God instructs him, directing him in the proper procedure. Fennel is not threshed with a sharp-toothed sledge, nor is it nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin. Fennel is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod. Domestic grain is ground. One does not go on endlessly threshing it. It cannot be ground by driving horse and threshing cart over it. These things originate with the Jehovah of hosts, whose counsel is wonderful, whose inspiration is surpassing. All right. So <laughs> I would say that we could proof text this chapter so much in so many different ways, but taking our, our current situation out of the, the, the mix here, what, what, are, what is it saying? What are we getting at here in, 
in this chapter in general? What, what have you guys understood and uh, gained from your studies? Or just listening to it? Um, we from the tribe of Ephraim are way too proud. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we tend to get that way, don't we? we're missing it or we're, we're not listening to the lord for the most part we're just dealing with milk we don't mm -hmm. we don't care about the meat as a whole i mean i know all of you on here understand about the meat but where it says the precept on precept line upon line all this about and that's just how any class that we have at church seems to be, is we just, we kind of parrot what, we, we know the answers when they ask a question. There's just this general parroting of answers, and we don't care to go any deeper. We just think that we got it. And... So to go in on that just a little bit from what uh, Avraham's commentary is, is that line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, that specific phrase and idea comes from Middle Eastern uh, and, and Near Eastern uh, methods of teaching, where the teacher would be at the blackboard and, and say the line and then have the students parrot or repeat back what the teacher said. So... If I say this, then you repeat after me, and then this, and repeat after me, etc. So that's a very basic way of learning something by repetition, hearing it over and over again until it sticks, and that way you, you got it. And so one thing that was eye-opening to me as Abraham was talking about this was, oh, I always thought that line upon line, precept upon precept was the, the manner in which we got to the meat like oh well you're gonna get this and then you're gonna get this and then little by little you'll start graduating from milk to meat but that's not at all what isaiah is getting at here he well, we have to remember they didn't have their copy of the scriptures how they had to learn is going over it and over it right mm -hmm. yeah and so um he's talking about in the last days that the word of jehovah remained line upon line, precept upon precept, a trifle here, a trifle there. But it, it, it never advanced past that. It never advanced past the parenting stage. You know, so, you know, like my mom was saying, in our, our current Sunday school answers, for lack of a better word, you know, uh, oh, go to church, read your scriptures, say your prayers. Yes, those things are great. Those are, those are primary, but they're not the meat if you want the meat, you actually study and you dive past the parodying stage where you repeat after the teacher. Uh, so like exactly what President Nelson's getting us to do, right? Like we have to, to go beyond uh, uh, our, our church-based home-supported system and, and swap it so that it's a home-based and church-supported where we're connecting directly with heaven and we've got to graduate beyond line upon line, precept upon precept. And I don't know, that was a, a new concept for me when I, I was reading this and, and hearing it and going, is that really what the scriptures are saying? And seriously, if we read uh, Isaiah 28 here, that's exactly what Isaiah is, is telling straight out that, that we, in the last days, we will not be able to survive spiritually unless we progress beyond that line upon line precept. like all through the scriptures that tells us to study the the mysteries and now today if you mention the mysteries to anybody it's like taboo it's like almost like voodoo you're i don't know how to explain it but anyway i did that with my sister the other day and and she told me be careful i'm apostatizing i'm like i was i was talking about the comforter and i'm like she's like you can't talk about that and i'm like yes i can <laughs> it's important we've got to learn this stuff 
Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, there's a reason I, that we don't go full on in our primary classes, but we right. should advance past that, you know, eventually. <laughs> so can we ever expect to really have a deep conversation in a church environment? Because we're all at different levels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The same, I've been studying Isaiah to my Relief Society president. She looked at me like, I just have to go over that. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, President Nelson said, we'll be seeing these times that, you know, and that's what got me to put this thing together. Like, all right, I got to really figure this out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of one of the hardest things for me to learn back, I don't know, a couple of years ago was I kept thinking, why aren't we talking about this in Sunday school? And so I would try to in class different things and stuff, but no, it's a general audience and you have to be general, just like general conferences. If you want to put some meat in there, put it in the footnotes. The footnotes. <laughs> it's a whole other talk in the footnotes. Uh -huh. And so I found that when I was teaching things, I would say, oh, and I've got a lot more to say on that, but, you know, come, you know, come talk to me and we'll, if you want some, some more fun things about that kind of thing. But in a general sense, we can actually do a lot of harm if we start casting out a lot of mysteries or, or pearls or, or deep things you know, it, it can really shake people's testimony and, and stuff. So it, it's a fine line to tread, but it is. You know, I, I think it was Kimball, but I could be misquoting this, but, um, or it might've been Irene and his parents, but anyway, the, the principle that, uh, they've never been in a boring sacrament meeting. And I was like, oh man, like I've been in plenty of boring sacrament meetings, but at the same time, it's all about what you bring to it. Right. If you can be in a generalized setting and still be getting personal revelation, then you're good. But mm -hmm. if you're just in a general setting and regretting it, going, oh, I'm so much smarter than this, then it's, it's never going to be fun. It's never going to be revelatory. But um, I think that that was one of my hugest, like, oh, I have got to really repent for that um, back when. And, and now I, I can say that too. Um, every once in a while I still have a boring sacrament meeting because I don't put in the work necessary to receive revelation but um ever since then it's been like oh no I it's about me I, if if I'm connected with the spirit I can be good wherever I'm at and and be hearing him receiving that revelation um let's see and then I really liked the end of this um this talk here when it's talking about all of the different crops and how they are kind of treated the same at the beginning um where uh the person is just oh right there 24 will the plowman be forever plowing to sow seed disking and harrowing the same ground but never planting anything like we have to move on beyond the the preparation phase and actually get into um, the actual planting so that we can enjoy the law of the harvest but at the same time when we do get a harvest it needs to be treated differently fennel mm -hmm. is not threshed this way uh, cumin needs to be with a rod domestic grain is ground etc so everybody is going to be hearing him differently and i think that that's a huge lesson that we can directly apply to our current situation that regardless of the scenario and the revelation being received two different people can be receiving opposite answers on the spectrum and that's good because it's coming from the lord as long as they're getting it from the true and proper source uh, like we don't know exactly where we're going to be in in the scheme of things when um the lord might need one person over here and one person over here and they need to have different scenarios and circumstances to prepare them for their missions and so you know i think that was one of the the biggest things that we need to learn as a as a world but um as, as a church as well that we can't be receiving revelation and then projecting that revelation upon everyone around us that oh well i received the answer and it must be the correct answer for the entire body of the church like we all are going to be getting different revelations fennel is going to be different than cumin and cumin is going to be different than 
than domestic grain um, that <laughs> only the Lord knows what he's doing. And, and here, where does he say it? Cameron, if everybody got the same revelation, everybody would be working where I work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At so the you... same place, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and there's, there's no variety in that, right? That's right. <laughs> and, it, and you think about our, even in our families, raised by the same parents, we each have a whole unique, different story. Yeah. I'm not even, even the same Christmas celebration is different for each of us, but we were mm -hmm. all, there, but we all, we all had a different take on it. It's interesting. We were all so different and that's just so beautiful, a beautiful thing. And I don't want to know what anyone else's decision is. And yeah. that's, <laughs> and I don't even want to know. We will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, I, because I didn't want to be influenced one way or the other. I just want to hear it from the Lord. And when I, you know, whatever, is and if it, it could change tomorrow whatever it is that's what mm -hmm. i want i didn't want to hear anybody else because that was kind of my scenario at, at first when uh everything started hitting the fan at one point i prayed got an answer and then now it, it's a different answer you know like it can change over time the lord might need us to uh, to go and then back up and then go this way and then that way and and so like what a beautiful God that has this manner of prayer that we can connect with him and hear him and receive individualized specific guidance for our lives. Like that's awesome. Uh, I, I don't know if we fully realize that as the, as a church in the fact that, that each of us are so perfectly instructed and um, helped through these last days. Cause it's a difficult time to, to be in. You know, like every single family, every single community, everybody's going to have way different experiences and, and things to, to be doing. Well, we can see the great shuffling that's happening um, amongst, uh, you know, this country. I don't, I haven't studied other countries and stuff, but there's a great shuffling of people. People are getting moved around the country. They're getting prompted to, to be here or there and to do different things all the time. And so as long as we have faith in the Lord, and, and how timely the restoration proclamation, I didn't realize it at the time that it was given, but now I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is exactly why we had that given to us. Like if we know that Joseph Smith was a prophet, the Book of Mormon is true, and that we are currently led by the Lord's servant, we will be fine because we're connecting with heaven. We are hearing him. Our prophet is leading and guiding us so perfectly in these last days. I, I, if you have the testimony of, of the restoration, you'll be fine because you will be one of those that can hear him and, um, and get the needed guidance you need. But man, it, it's a, kind of a hard struggle to get there, isn't it? Like, I don't fault anyone for... I have cried and cried and fasted and prayed so much. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so like, I feel oh, like yeah. that letter was kind of a test, like a pop quiz for the church. Like, okay, I told you to hear him and get good at it because you won't be able to spiritually survive. So here's just a quick quiz. I'm going to give this out and your test is kind of, who are you going to rely on? Are you going to go with every wind of doctrine that you're hearing on, on social media or your family or friends or communities, or are you going to go directly to the Lord? That's, that's the whole quiz. Where are you going to go? <laughs> kind of thing. Are you going to hear him or are like, I, <laughs> I know of at least three people that I, I personally know have left the church because of that letter. It's like, whoa, whoa, why did that happen? You know, like, let, let's go back to square one. Let's communicate this properly. What could we do to help kind of thing? It's not about throwing scriptures out and Bible bashing. It's about genuine love and compassion and going, hey, let's navigate the end times together. And we might get different revelation because we're different people, but let's, let's help each other out here. Uh, we're all on this ministering ladder and, and we're, we're supposed, we're, we're placed where we're supposed to be to help those around us kind of a thing. I, I don't know. It, it, it's an exciting time to be alive, but it's, it's also like, it's crazy. So hard. A, lot, a lot of people are just doing what I do. And like, I, I was talking mm -hmm. to my mom and 
she's never even prayed about it. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> you've got to ask. Ask, you got to pray. You got you to gotta make some effort. Mm-hmm. Anyway. President Nelson has given us homework assignments each conference session. He has. And specific. Um, Faith this time. Build your faith to move mountains, the mountains in your life. That mm-hmm. would be huge. I mean, all of them, all of them are to study the restoration, to um, to hear him, to, I know, I, I can't just like pull them all out right now, but they're, each one of them was so significant. And if you do that work, you're going to get your answers because your answers are going to come from the Lord. They're going to come straight from the Lord. Exactly. So I wanted to kind of close with a couple different uh, points from um, the literary message of Isaiah. Um, Sorry, I need to always put my screen back on my face. Um, So here it talks about that this week and next week are all about the disloyalty and loyalty, right? And it's about disloyalty and loyalty to God himself. Um, not to to those around us or relying on the arm of flesh. But this week is about the chapters, the the four chapters are about a covenant with death. And next week is about the covenant with life. And so um, all four of these chapters uh, commence with a woe, a covenant curse that is uh, pronounced upon the people who are disloyal to Heavenly Father or, or to Jehovah because they, they rely on, on the arm of flesh or the counsels of, of men. But um, I wanted to read just this little paragraph here. I think it's so, it, it sums everything up really nice and neat now that we've studied uh, 28 through 31. It says, a covenant with death is a purposeful decision in favor of evil over good. It epitomizes reliance by Jehovah's reprobate people on human counsels or schemes Parties to that covenant of death include the ecclesiastical and political leaders of Jehovah's people. They scoff at Jehovah's living oracle, his voice and mouth. Consequently, a flooding scourge overruns them when Jehovah brings utter destruction upon the whole earth. And so, summing that up, those who mock the living oracle, the living prophet, will have to suffer the flooding scourge that, that comes upon the whole earth. And so, uh, you know, proof text it, whatever you want to do there, but, you know, you can apply it to the, the current situation or, or just in general, the last days, we have to be able to follow the prophet and follow him. Like there, we have different leadership because they're, they're never in conflict with one another. If it's a true prophet, and and we have testimony of President Nelson being a true prophet, there might be seeming paradoxes or conflicts that that, that come up, but that's how the Lord teaches us. Anytime he gives us a a paradox or two conflicting commandments, that's that's a a great proving ground for us to learn something, right? But the the prophet's never going to be in conflict with with the Lord himself if if he's a true prophet. And so um, as we work through these last days, we, we have to make sure that we don't, you know, go against our, our covenants and uh, mock those that um, the, the Lord's anointed in, in the last days. Because um, I, I see that rampant uh, amongst um, many of, of the faithful that, oh, well, you know, there, there must be a precedent for fallen prophets or, or this or that. But no, I I just want to, to just bear my testimony that I know God lives and I know that he works through prophets. He has sent us at this time to be led by President Nelson for a reason. And um, I, I can't even believe that General Conference is just around the corner again. I mean, this is, <laughs> I'm barely getting through studying the last one, but man, uh, I, I, I just love and, and admire that man so much for his willingness to always obey the Lord and, and to hasten the work in these last days, because we have got a lot of ground to cover in a very short amount of time. And so um, anyway, I, I just testify of that. I, I, I love the Lord. I love the prophet and um, how important his counsels are to me at this time. But yeah, um, 
anything else before we close out for the night? Sorry, this has been kind of a, a rough trip. We've we've covered the whole gamut. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for that testimony. Awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. But yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll try to get those education week things put together and, and sent out. I can't promise a timeline because I'm kind of slow right at the minute, but <laughs> eventually I'll, I'll get some of those fun little nuggets out there. So Cameron, should, um, should we buy the, the vision of all? Sorry, what was that? Should, should you we buy, buy the that one? book? The vision of all the oh. 25 lectures on Isaiah? I don't know. I haven't read it yet. I, I have it on my bookshelf. I bought it um, way before I even attended Education Week. But um, uh, he said that my class is 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 great, but go to go to the book. There's, there's a lot in there. And so uh, it's one of my next things that I want to read. Um, but as of right now, I would probably recommend it, but I can't say for certain or anything. Uh, but... Yeah, it, it's definitely one of the, the next things I'm going to be reading. Um, let's see. Okay, thank you. Back up. It's by Joseph Spencer is the one that, that did that. I was just noticing the chat. Yeah. And I thank Tracy for oh, doing that. <laughs> we welcome. Very appreciated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting uh how all that works uh you know prayers are are always heard especially by by his faithful and by um by unison you know that that's why we have what, like fasts and testimony means that's why we have uh wards and communities that can kind of come together i i very much appreciate everyone in in our book clubs and stuff because I, you know i find myself praying for for each one of you individually in in different circumstances and and things and you know i i never i'm always trying to to be the giver never the receiver or whatever but i do appreciate that thank you <laughs> you're welcome don't forget blessings too <laughs> yep <laughs> exactly um yeah anything else uh before we head out for the night it's been a fun one we'll we'll see where group b takes us to <laughs> might be an interesting ride <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see everyone next week. <laughs> Bye.